We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway, lays it in. Zach Levine does it again. The late shot on the middle. Oh, oh, the Minnesota The crossover. Levine. Oh. Get out the way, Trey Young. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're on the Blue Wire Network. We're brought to you by DoorDash. We're brought to you by Bet Online. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm here, as always, with Jason Pat. And we have a special guest joining us today. It's Darnell Mayberry, Bulls beat writer for The Athletic. He's just done an absolutely incredible job since he's come to Chicago, started covering the team. Uh, and unfortunately, Darnell has not had good teams to cover since he's arrived in our city, but uh, perhaps that will start to change now that the Bulls have new leadership, a new head coach. Billy Donovan is in town. Uh, I know that Darnell spent years covering the Thunder at the Oklahoman. Uh, I, I realized, though, reading one of his latest pieces, that he actually got off the beat when Billy Donovan arrived. But he's still been, you know, around the team, and he's been, uh, you know, covering the Bulls the last few seasons. So. Darnell, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, Jason, I know that you you wanted to start this conversation with a little talk about Billy Donovan's predecessor. Yes, before we jump into the, uh, the Billy Donovan stuff, uh, Darnell, you being around the team and the whole the whole Jim Boylan debacle, and we talk, we've talked plenty about Jim Boylan on this podcast. And I know you, we've talked to you about it a bit as well, and just how it was just kind of a whole clown show. You did a great piece kind of just the post-mortem on the Jim Boylan era. And you had some great other details about stuff about like the Zach Levine, like almost fight and all that kind of stuff. Uh, there, this, this During this whole time where it kind of took a while for the Bulls to make a decision, for AK to make this decision to fire Boylan, there were some concerns that maybe he wasn't actually going to get fired. I know you went from like you thought he was definitely going to get fired to, oh, maybe they're going to keep him around. Uh, so I guess ultimately like 
just final thoughts on the Jim Boylan era. And did you have a just like one, I guess, favorite or just like funny moment from the Boylan era that you would like to share? Uh, the Jim Boylan era will never not be comedy. <laughs> I think we can all agree that as bad as painful as it was, um, it, we will always look back and get a laugh out of the Jim Boylan era. Billy Donovan's press conferences are going to be a whole lot less entertaining than Jim Boylan's <laughs> were. Um, so, yeah, I yeah, mean, that, I, I'm that, not going to miss That is definitely something that we have talked about. Yeah, yeah I'm not going to miss him from an excellent and old standpoint or like, you know, the leader of your franchise. But, uh, you know, he, he had some some gem quotes, man. And 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 Billy Donovan, he's he's not going to come close to living up to what Jim Boylan, uh, the, the bar that he set in his year and a half or whatever you want to call it in Chicago. <laughs> whatever you want to call it. That's like a perfect way to describe it. Whatever you want to call it, the Jim Boylan era. OK, so now that we're off Jim Boylan, we'll put him in the rear. Let's talk about Billy Donovan. As Ricky said, you kind of you were on the beat like right when he started in that 2015-16 season, then you moved off. And so you weren't like day to day with him. But I know in one of your recent columns, your first impressions of the Bulls hiring him, you kind of talked about. Uh, just like what your your impressions of Billy as a coach with his first press conference in Oklahoma City, and I guess just from what you did see in Oklahoma City, uh, what do you think about what Billy Donovan will bring to the Bulls? And I guess also you just your your impressions about the Bulls actually hiring because I know I was surprised that they shelled out the six million a year to hire him, uh, and because it looked like the Bulls were going to go with maybe an assistant coach, go a bit on the cheaper side. So were you surprised that the Bulls did pay up to get Billy Donovan? And just like. I, what do you think about him coming into this franchise that just needs coming from Jim Boyle and just need that injection of credibility to this team? Yeah. I mean, I was surprised like everyone else, you know, I was even going on you know, other podcasts and, and, and radio interviews saying that I didn't think that the bulls would, um, would hire him because I didn't think he'd want to come here. I didn't, I yeah. didn't think he'd be a match. So uh, I was wrong about that for sure. Um, uh, but I mean, I think, a lot of us probably made that assumption based off of previous years of, of understanding this franchise and where it's been, um, you know, knowing the Reinsdorfs and, and understanding that they have a history of getting first year coaches, not paying a premium for uh, the premier head coaches. So everyone had reason to believe that. Um, and, and I think what we all underestimated was Arturis Karnaschovas and, and Mark Eversley and their desire to come in here and try to get this thing right. Um, and not just, just do it their way, but also go in there and, and get people that they aren't familiar with that, that they feel are best for the job. So I give them a ton of credit for going outside of the box and, and getting a name that they weren't familiar with, uh, to try to come in here and turn this thing around, help them turn this thing around. Darnell, you did a really good Q and a recently with Mark Eversley. And I thought it, uh, shined a light, gave us some insight on what his thought process is going into his new role with the Bulls. And one thing he said that struck me was he said, you know, we're all in this together. Me, Arturis, J.J. Polk, Pat Connolly. He did not mention the names of a lot of guys left over from the previous regime, most notably John Paxson, but also Jim Paxson. I think Doug Collins is still there. A uh, few other guys, too, from the previous regime are still on the payroll with the Bulls. So I'm curious, Darnell, uh, do you sense that uh, the old the old guys, the, the leftovers, have any real influence in the front office, especially in terms of the hiring of Billy Donovan? 
Or do you think like the majority of the control or all of the control in the decision making is now up to AK and Eversley? I think it's on AK and Evs. Um, and if you just look at how he's been able to fill out his staff, um, start there, you know, firing Gar Foreman, um, you know, a day into the job or whatever it was, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty fast, pretty quick. Uh, and letting go of Jeff Tanaka uh, when his contract expired with the franchise. So, uh, he's made some moves that uh, you would think this is this is all him. This isn't someone coming in saying you got to do this, you got to do that. Uh, Artur seems like he's making these moves, and uh, you got to give him a lot of credit, Ricky. I got to say, you got to give this guy a lot of credit. It seems like all the moves he's making so far are the right moves. Yeah, and uh, I'm curious about your impressions of Eversley so far because you actually had the chance to talk to him. Uh, he one thing that Eversley said was that you know Arturis is going to have the final say in the decision making power, but Eversley obviously still has a big role with the franchise, uh, and I think you know he's obviously going to bring a different approach than Gar Foreman. And I will charitably describe Gar Foreman as kind of a weird guy whenever he spoke to the media and whenever he was in front of microphones. Eversley seems like a pretty cool dude. Uh, I haven't spoke to him. You did. So I'm just curious, what were your impressions of Mark Eversley? And, you know, what do you think he can add to the organization? The the word that comes to mind is professionalism with him. Uh, He just seems like a real no-nonsense type of guy, a straight shooter, very serious, very uh, detail and process-oriented. He just seems like a real thinker, uh, Ricky, to be honest with you. He just seems like he's... He's not trying to cut corners and, and uh, you know, just do things um, quick and easy. He, he seems like he's very thought processed and tries to figure out um, the why behind things. And that's what I was told, frankly, before even meeting him. So I'm glad to, to just see in some of my initial uh, dealings with him that, it you know, his, his sort of reputation met what I experienced myself. So. Uh, that was that was a pleasant surprise. It's certainly very refreshing to hear because, as Ricky said, the Gar Foreman stuff, and obviously you being around the team more, and just like the stuff that we've heard from like other people. I mean, we look at like the Jimmy Butler situation; his agent has spouted off, and just other rumors we've heard about Gar Foreman. Just like it just seems like the Bulls front office was just like not looked upon well around the league, and that, I mean that's just a big part of this. Again, it's just like building the credibility back and being a franchise that. Uh, other players will want to come to because it just like th- with the previous regime with Paxson with Foreman with Boylan it just seems like it just was not there and now with this new group with Eversley with AK and they've talked about the the uh, the player first whole thing and all that kind of stuff and the way you just described Eversley right there like th- I mean that just seems like a whole just the fresh start there just seems to, just a huge a great breath of fresh air I mean would you say that's totally fair just like a total like 180 from the previous regime yeah Jason you're hitting the nail on the head because everything about this franchise feels different now. Now, I I always like to couch everything I say, every piece of praise that I give them by saying they haven't even officially held a press conference yet. Right. You know, like they've they've done a couple of Zoom conference calls and that sort of thing, but they haven't even, you know, all been in Chicago in front of the the, the media. So uh, they've got a lot of work to do. There's no doubt about that. But uh, when you just look at the way that they've gone about their business and even going back to how they fired Jim Boylan when everyone was saying, what are they waiting on? What are they waiting on? AK comes out and does it on the final day of the regular season, which made all the sense in the world. I mean, it doesn't, he didn't have to do that. And, right. I, and I'm not, you know, excusing how long it took, but it just made logical sense. And, 
and, and everything that they do seems like it just has a, a method behind it or a reason behind it. And you couldn't really say that for the previous regime. And, and I think that's the refreshing part. Everything that these guys are doing seems to make sense to some degree. I want to circle back to Billy Donovan for a minute because uh, I'm sort of on the fence, I guess. Like, I I think one thing I would say is that I never really considered Billy Donovan to be a very good head coach from afar, just watching the Thunder from afar, particularly their two playoff runs with Paul George. I thought, you know, those first round exits, maybe they underachieved a bit. Uh, I think there was a fire Billy Donovan push from some Thunder fans coming into this season. Obviously, the Thunder had a great year this year with Chris Paul in charge. Uh, You could debate how much credit Donovan gets for that versus how much credit CP3 gets for that uh, because he had a vintage year by any standard, an all-star season. Uh, So I'm just curious, Darnell, how good of a coach you think Billy Donovan is and what we can really go off of in terms of Billy Donovan's tenure with the Thunder because – he had some weird team contacts there. I mean, you had Westbrook averaging a triple-double, uh, obviously a very headstrong player, super productive. I think that, you know, you had to tailor the offense to him a little bit. Uh, and then they had a lot of injuries, too. I, I think that, you know, the the roster was never really that good around their stars, but they did have a lot of star power. So, uh, you know, what do you make of Billy Donovan, and what do you think Bulls fans can make of his tenure with the Thunder? Yeah, there are two real big things that stick out to me there, Ricky. I mean, we, we've two weeks into this thing, I think we've kind of beaten it to death with what he experienced there in Oklahoma City with the roster turnover and all of that. Uh, so I won't I won't bore you guys with that. But um, I, I do think the underrated thing about Billy Donovan is the fact that he was able to have um, some mild success with the roster turnover that he had. You know, we, we can all focus on the different changes, but, you know, I think one of the things that maybe goes – under the radar a little bit is how successful he was able to, 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 to be with so much change and so much turnover from year to year. Um, and you know, that's the mark. That's one sign of a good coach, you know, being able to, to make the most of what you have, play the hand that you're dealt, however you want to phrase it. Um, you know, Billy Donovan did that in Oklahoma city. Uh, he walked into a situation where he thought he was going to be able to compete for championships for years to come. And that changed on him every single year of his tenure there. And I, I give him credit for that. Uh, I think he kind of made the best of a, of a not so ideal situation. Um, and, and, and he got the most out of those guys, those rosters for the most part, each and every year, people want to talk about his playoff flame outs, fourth straight first round exits and that sort of thing. And that's fair. Um, but you know, Russell Westbrook is not the easiest guy to uh, game plan for, you know, in terms of when he's on your own team. Uh, So, and we saw that with Mike D'Antoni this year uh, and everything that that he he and Daryl Morey had to do. So uh, there's a lot, I think, that goes into it beyond just the the, the bottom line results. Uh, So that's the first thing that I I do give Billy Donovan a lot of credit for during his time in OKC. But then the second thing is, and I've written this, but I'll never forget it, when he took over and he walked into that pressure cooker of, of a, of a win now team, a win now roster with Kevin Durant in his final season, Russell Westbrook, Serge Ibaka, Steven Adams, he had star power. He had a ready-made championship ready team. Uh, and he got that team one win away from the NBA finals and the way that they were playing, everyone talks about that three, one uh, lead that they blew, but the way that they were playing to build that three, one lead and the way that they played uh, to get to the conference finals, 
Uh, it was the best the Thunder had ever played. Uh, people want to say that this job was the best job that he did all year. I look back at that 2016 playoff run and say he had those guys playing the best basketball of their careers to that point, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant. And as a first-year NBA, NBA head coach at that point, I think you got to give him a lot of credit for, for, for the job that he was able to do in his first season. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, I mean, that blown lead was – I don't want to call it a fluke because the Warriors won 73 games, but, I mean, it took Clay Thompson to go absolutely nuclear. Uh, and then, and I know they had some late, some issues late in those games with KD and Russ. I mean, and when your stars just kind of just, uh, like, just totally ruin at the end of games, like how, how much can you really put on, that on the coach? I don't know. Yeah, but they had the Warriors looking dead in the, dead in the water, and what they were doing was obviously great. So, yeah, I mean, that's – uh, great points there. Before we maybe talk a bit more about what Donovan could bring to this Bulls roster and this roster in general, I'm going to take a quick, ba- quick break for a word from our sponsors. You've kind of on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery, too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our Cash Considerations listeners get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download that DoorDash app and enter the code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off uh, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. We're back, Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're here with Darnell Mayberry, a special guest Great Bulls beat writer for The Athletic. We're talking about the Bulls hiring Billy Donovan. We're talking about their roster. We talk, uh, we've talked a bit about their new front office here. Uh, so let's talk about a bit more about Mark Eversley and his recent comments about the Bulls roster. You, uh, you uh, wrote up some of these comments that he did. and he, One of the big uh, headlines from that was that the Bulls are not re- really rebuilding, but they're actually retooling. So I guess like looking at this roster and looking at, at his comments – and he also said that they're better that they were better than the 22 win team uh, that they were. I personally would still consider them in a rebuild. Maybe it's semantics at this point because I still don't know if any of these guys on this roster are actually like legitimate cornerstones. Like we've talked about these guys ad nauseum at this point, but I guess just what do you think about this Bulls young core? Do you agree with Mark Eversley that they were better than they showed this past season, and if they're actually more a retooling and a rebuild? Because I guess Billy Donovan probably came here thinking that they're more of a re, uh, retool is uh, more ready to win now instead of actually like full-blown rebuild like the OKC might end up going through. Yeah, that just makes me think what are, what's next? You know, where are these guys headed next? Yeah. And what do they have you know, in their back pocket that they might be thinking of? Um, uh, you know, these guys all came from, from different organizations. You got uh, AK from Denver. You got Evs, Evs from Philly. You got JJ Pope from New Orleans. Pat Conley, obviously, from Denver with AK. But and they've also worked other places as well. They've got relationships. They they know the, they have the pulse of of other executives around the league and players throughout the league. So um, I think they're going to come in with a lot of fresh ideas, uh, and, and we're going to see them make moves that we haven't been accustomed to seeing for the last uh, almost two decades, frankly. So uh, I'm excited to see what they do and which direction they go. Uh, but it's it's clear that Billy Donovan doesn't think that he's walking into a uh, 25, 30 win team. I think they all see that there is more talent there, but also they got to show it. You know, Larry Martin yep. got to go out there and, and prove that he is 
uh, capable of the praise that he gets and, and, and talked about uh, as having so much promise. You know, he had a, a really bad year last year in a lot of ways uh, and struggled with consistency. So uh, those guys got to go out there. Zach Levine's got to take another step as, as much as, uh, you know, he, he was there for them and as reliable as they could have had uh, among any player. He's got to be able to take another step. And so these guys, Wendell Carter Jr., you know, Ricky, I know you have talked a lot about him and, and taking another step. And he's got to be able to stay healthy and take that next step. So, uh, you know, Billy Donovan and these guys can only come in here and do so much. It's on the players to a to a large degree. And they know that. And I think that's the best thing for Bulls fans to know is that they've got a locker room full of guys who, even though have, they haven't won a lot, they all understand that it starts with them and they've got to be better. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot here, Darnell. Of the Bulls' young core, we're going to say it's four guys, Kobe White, Lowry Markinen, Zach Levine, Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, let's say at the start of a year from now, so I guess the 2021-2022 season, Whenever uh, it is. <laughs> over under two guys of that core still remaining on the team, uh, you know, like one year from now, basically. I will take... The can I take a push? You can take the push, yeah. I'll take the push. Uh, I'll say two. I'll say two because to me, it seems like uh, what Karnashovas has shown so far is he's going to put his stamp on the organization in a lot of different ways, and I'm sure that the roster is obviously a big part of that. So, yeah, I, I agree with you that I think that it's likely that this core the Bulls have assembled will probably uh be broken apart at least partially as he goes about his job of making over the roster. I mean, it's probably fair to say maybe one of Zach and Kobe and one of Lowry or Wendell, right? Maybe that would be, I guess my guess so that you left with two of them. I think that would be probably be fair. Yeah. That's a nice, succinct way of putting it. I, I just think this Lowry marketing contract hanging over them going in the next summer or, you know, even into next season. Um, I think that just creates so much confusion for a guy who you just aren't sure about. Um, I don't know how you guys see that playing out, but to me that, that just, that's a big, big um, matter that you've got to figure out a a resolution for. I don't, I don't know if they would feel comfortable giving him a hefty contract at this point. No way. Not Not this year, not this off season. Yeah. I mean, you just don't know yet. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. We've talked about that. I would be totally shocked. I mean, I don't know. Like I just, it would be hard to like for both sides. I feel like you'd think he would want to like rebuild his value, but like the bulls with this new front office, like there's no way they should come out and like throw him a huge contract when he's been basically the same guy or regressed arguably this last season for three years. And he hasn't stayed healthy either. You don't know about his fit with, with Wendell quite, or, and even Zach, like, I, I just don't know how you could commit long-term money to a guy like that right now. Like if he comes out and he pulls like a Jimmy Butler and he's like great next season, you have to pay him. Sure. Why not? That, that sounds great. But like, I, you can't really commit that money now because if he comes out and has another bad year, like, and now you're like stuck with this long-term contract for him. Like I, I, this just doesn't make, it just doesn't seem like it would make sense on either side there. To me, the, the most disturbing thing the most alarming thing was not his struggles or inconsistency. You know, we all saw him, uh, you know, shoot poorly for, for most of the season. We all saw how erratic and inconsistent he was, but it was the, it was the glaring weaknesses that were most disturbing to me. His, his inability to be able to do certain things like take advantage of mismatches inside or take advantage of his, um, his his athleticism and and height and shooting ability on the outside and it's just 
it, it were so many things uh, defensively even, you know, that just made me question whether or not he was able to be the guy that we all think he's able to be. And, um, you know, it's one thing to struggle. It's another thing to not really show that you have that in your game as much. And maybe I'm being a little too critical, but I don't think so. He didn't have a great season. And I, and and with this contract hanging over him now, I just think he's really got to go out there and show something next season to, to really earn that contract. Yeah. One thing that really stood out with him, this last thing on Lowry was just the things you said, like he couldn't do like all the times he would try to put the ball on the floor and would just get like ripped from him. Just the turnover stuff. Like it was like depressing to watch. And he's added all this like strength and this muscle, but he like, you said he couldn't really attack mismatches. So like, I don't know if it was how much it was him or like injuries or like how much he was just messed up in Boylan's offense, but it was definitely just sad to watch him. Uh, Ricky, did you have something next? Yeah, I was just going to circle the conversation back to Billy Donovan. I was talking to someone who covers the league when the Bulls hired Donovan. And what he said to me is that he has the ability to have credibility with players without having an ego. So uh, I know you haven't been around Donovan too much, but I'm just curious, Darnell, what you think it like what you think of that assessment and uh you know how how ego sort of plays into the nba like do you think that you know a coach who doesn't have a big ego will have an easier time connecting with players especially at the stage of the rebuild or the retool that the bulls are currently in and uh because i feel like you know egos have sort of gotten the best of the bulls in the front office in previous years yeah billy donovan might actually go too far the opposite way with it where we're going to be listening to a lot of his press conferences thinking you know we know Laurie Markkinen or Zach Levine or Kobe White screwed up a play there but he won't just come out and say that they screwed up a play like I think he goes he takes it to that extreme uh and and I don't think it's like you know an intentional um you know off-putting thing I think it's just the way he's wired Uh, I don't think he's acting I think it's just he's not gonna throw his guys under the bus and that's it's admirable to a degree, but sometimes you just like to, to, to get the truth out of a coach. And um, so I think we're going to be dealing with that to a degree, which is the, the polar opposite of what we dealt with with Jim Boylan. Um, but but I do think that there's a lot to be said for that in today's NBA. Just think about when these guys go home, uh, you know, a lot of them, sometimes they're watching the replay of the game uh, and they're hearing some of the same sound bites that we're hearing uh, that the coaches give. So if you're at home and you're watching a replay of the game or the Bulls Outsiders or something and they're playing a clip of, of Billy Donovan and he has your back as a player, that's going to go a long way as opposed to a coach who's saying that you made three egregious defensive mistakes or what have you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. In terms of like on the court with Billy Donovan, uh, in terms of we talked about how like the play, his like, coaching and the rosters and OKC changed so much. So it was like, kind of hard to figure out how he's going to play. Uh, in one of your columns, you talked about uh, from the Thunder, his Thunder press conference, you talked about like how he prefers to play and with like ball movement and all that kind of stuff. Like, how, how do you see the Bulls playing? He also, the recent interview we did as well, when his kind of introductory thing, and he had like the analytics meant, uh, comments and stuff like that and letting guys shoot like mid-range shots. And I know that was like, a big point of contention with some of the guys last season with Boylan going like the extreme opposite direction. Like, how do you envision Billy Donovan coaching this Bulls, this Bulls roster? Well, I'll go back to what I was saying about his, his his roster turnover and changes that he had down in OKC. Is that I think he's going to really come in and adjust to what he has. I don't think he's going to try to fit them into a certain system. I think he's going to try to play to their strengths and figure out what works for Zach Levine and Wendell Carter Jr. and Larry Markin and Kobe White. 
I think he's going to want to do some certain things that are just staples. I think he's going to want to play fast. I think he's going to want to, uh, you know, use the pick and roll a lot. Um, you know, and I think he's going to want to probably space the floor and play, play, you know, with the three point shot if he feels like this roster warrants that. Um, so I think that's what we're going to see defensively. I'd like to see what he, he does. We saw Wendell obviously blitz the pick and roll a lot last year. He knows that Wendell can do that. I'm sure from watching the film that he's, he's probably watched in two weeks. Uh, but what, what other schemes and strategies are, are he's going to, is he going to try to implement? That's what I'm looking forward to seeing out of Billy Donovan. How, how, um, how much of a variety are we going to see defensively uh, with him? So as much as we, we talk about him as this offensive minded kind of guy, uh, the people who've covered him uh, and watched him closely have have also talked about how much of a defensive mind he is, and you've certainly seen that reflected in, in OKC's defensive metrics uh, over the last five years. I think they've been a top ten team in four of the the five years, and a top fifteen in all five years. So, um, so yeah, he he does th- some things defensively that that I'm really curious to see uh, what he's able to get out of this group here in Chicago. Uh, one thing I've noticed since Karnaschovas came aboard is that his quotes are really boring. He's basically not saying anything. It's <laughs> fine. It's a competitive advantage, perhaps. Uh, he's also not embarrassing the franchise the way that Gar Foreman would every time he spoke in front of a microphone, or in my opinion, the way Paxson did whenever he spoke in front of a microphone. So I'm curious, from your job, Darnell, like as a reporter, do you anticipate that it is going to be like really hard to get any sort of breaking news from the Bulls' new front office? Do you expect them to play their cards really close to the vest? Or do you think you know there just hasn't been a lot of decisions that they've made yet outside of the Billy Donovan thing? And uh, it, it might not be that abnormal from the way most NBA teams work. No, I mean, he came with the reputation of being close to the vest, being really guarded. Uh, there weren't going to be a lot of leaks coming out of him. I mean, that that's the reputation he built in Denver. So uh, I don't expect anything less than Chicago. Um, if you just look at how he has conducted some of his business leading up to this point, I mean, the Jim Boylan news came out of left field on the day of the, the final day of the regular season. Um, you know, no one, no one kind of leaked that or, you know, they were able to hold on to that. The Billy Donovan news came out of left field. Uh, what was that a week, two weeks after he, the, the OKC thing yep. ended. So, uh, you know, no one really expected that even though his name was floated. Uh, no one, you know, I think we all kind of shrugged it off and it's like, Oh yeah, you know, we'll see, but expected another coach. So uh, just those types of things uh, I, I feel like have already proven that, he's going to be close to the vest and, and there's not going to be a lot of leaks coming out. And I think that's a good thing. I mean, I, I really do. I mean, it just shows that uh, he's not concerned with uh, the narrative or trying to win press conferences or, or the court of public opinion. He's going about his business a certain way and it's professional and it's, uh, it, it's real strict and guided principled. And you respect that in an executive, you respect that in, in anyone at this level, whether it's a player or coach, or an executive. So I think he's bringing that to the bulls. Yeah. It seems like uh, he basically keeps it close and then he'll go tell Woj something and then Woj will report it. That's basically where all the Donovan yeah, stuff was. I feel like he was really close. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it does kind of feel like that a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, to wrap up here, let's move off the bulls here really quick. We'll finish up with just a little stuff on the NBA finals. Uh, Lakers heat. We got a game tonight. Obviously by the time this pot is up, the game will have started already. And if you listen to it, it might be already been over, but, um, Lakers are up two one. 
Uh, it looked like it had been heading to a possible sweep before Jimmy Butler came to the rescue in Game 3. Obviously, watching Jimmy Butler these entire playoffs has been a trip for us Bulls fans, especially us on this podcast who are both big Jimmy Butler guys. We uh, weren't huge fans of the Jimmy Butler trade, and there's been a lot of kind of looking back on the Bulls deciding to go to the rebuild and trading Jimmy Butler, and he's obviously found a perfect home with the Miami Heat and historic game in Game 3. Um, Darnell, do you think there's any chance? I don't want to talk about this game specifically, I guess. Do you think there's any chance that he'd even have a chance in this series? I, even as a Jimmy Butler guy, uh, I don't think he can, even with, and with Bam coming back supposedly in game four here, I still think the Lakers will probably win. I think they're going to win the next two games and win in five. Uh, I guess what do you just, what do you make of the gym, this Jimmy Butler run into the, and the, with the heat to the finals? And do you think they have any chance at all to pull the upset and come back? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't bet on it. Obviously uh, I picked uh, Lakers in seven. Uh, when the series started. So I didn't, it's not like I didn't think the heat had a chance, yeah. uh, but without Bam, without Goron, I just think that's going to be a, a, a mountain to climb that they don't have the weapons for. And you, you're depending on young guys and Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero to really perform against perhaps two of the, the two best players in the league. Um, yeah. You know, so like, I, I just don't see that as feasible. But I'm hoping as a fan, listen, I'm, I'm sitting back on my couch and I'm watching and I'm hoping and I wasn't obviously around when Jimmy was was here in Chicago. But but, um, you know, it's good to see what he's been able to do. And, uh, you know, I know you and Ricky probably are, are loving it from <laughs> yeah. certain standpoints where you get to rub it in people's faces. But <laughs> but, um, but yeah, man, it's been fun to watch and I, I hope they can extend it uh, as long as possible. It's 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 just really been good basketball. Uh, and I'm going to be bored when uh, the finals are over. Yeah, I got one last question for you then on that end. What is your best guess, Darnell, for when next season starts? Give us a date. I'm going to say February. I'm going to say Valentine's Day. How about that? Um, um, yeah. I don't even know what day Valentine's Day is. Whatever the Thursday is. 15th, Valentine's 14th, usually. Is it always a Thursday, Valentine's Day? Shows you how much of a romantic I am. <laughs> so uh, I honestly have no idea. I feel like it's around the fourteenth, February fourteenth, fifteenth, something like that. February, <laughs> I don't know. I got my calendar up here. So, oh, February fourteenth. It's a Sunday. It Ooh, they could they could start on Sunday afternoon. A little triple header or something like that. Double header ABC game. Uh, February fourteenth. Yeah, there you go. I yeah, I know February just because the logistics. They're going to need a little bit of time, but I yeah. think they're going to want to start this season. Uh, and get it in as best as possible with with or without fans. Obviously, they're going to try to get fans in there, but I think they're going to want to start this thing, and they're going to have to at a certain point. So I'm going to say drop dead Valentine's Day. Yeah, I know Michelle Roberts came out, MBPA executive director, and kind of talked about that and how she's having conversations with Silver, and they're trying to figure all that out. It does sound like January, February makes sense. Uh, I guess my last question then, if they with this, if it does start whatever, Valentine's Day, they want to get in a full 82-game season. Uh, so then that would take next season into God knows when. Like, do you, uh, How do you feel about a potential like full shift in the NBA calendar where the summers are going to be like full with games, kind of how we've seen a bit here? I've always like liked having the summers kind of to just kind of do whatever. We obviously have the draft free or finals draft free agency, and then usually you have like whatever, uh, end of July, August, September, kind of just kind of not kind of off, basically. Uh, how would you feel about a, like a permanent shift in that calendar? I'm more of a traditionalist and I, I wouldn't like it for the most part because of that. Um, there are other reasons, obviously, to get into. You can talk about ratings and 
schedule, timing, yeah. things like that. Um, I think the ratings this year, and I'm no expert Awful. on this, but I think they're confirming that I don't think the league wants those problems. Uh, but just as a traditionalist, I, I, I like the way it is. Uh, I like the 82-game season. I like it starting, uh, which is always around my birthday, end of October, early November. I like it where it started. It's always started around that time. So uh, I'm happy with where it is. What do you guys think, by the way? Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I Like I said, I like having – like just kind of going through the winter, uh, and I like having the summers kind of off. Uh, but I just, I guess I just, at this point, like, I don't know how they're going to get it back on track. If they want to have like next season be full, like I, I know they have to figure out the whole CBA stuff and all that. And, like they want to get all these games and they want to have fans in the stands, but uh, yeah, I don't know how they're going to get it back on track to, to a normal traditional schedule like that. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they play it out. Ricky, what do you final thought here before we wrap up? I don't think they're going to go 82 games next year. No, no. way. Because I feel like the the NBA is so scared of the NFL. They do not want to go head to head against the NFL. They'll even alter their playoff schedule to like not have games on Mondays if there's a NFL game. I think uh, there's now a three day break in the finals because they don't want to go up against Bears Buccaneers apparently <laughs> on Thursday night. So I don't anticipate an 82 game schedule. I think that they will most likely want to get it wrapped up, you know, early into the NFL season so they don't have those conflicts, but. Yeah, I, I fully agree. It's difficult to see how they get this thing back on track and what the future of the league is going to look like from a scheduling standpoint. Uh, and really, I anticipate—I sort of anticipate next year is going to kind of be a holdover year where there's not a lot of big moves moving in the offseason the way we've seen the last previous years, few years, all setting up for you know the summer of 2021 or the offseason of 2021 when Giannis is able to be a free agent, and I think you know that'll sort of be a league reset and then, uh, you know, we'll take it from there. Yeah, I thought, it, I thought it was interesting, guys, how Sunday night, I mean, we had game three of the NBA Finals, and who was those Sunday night football games? E- Eagles 49ers Eagles blew them right. out of the water. And, and it was Rating so court. easy. Even I've been an NBA fan my whole life, it's my favorite sport, but it was so easy to just turn to a regular, random, yeah. regular season NFL game as opposed to game three of the NFL. Now I watched the NBA finals, don't get me wrong, but I could see how for the first time, and I've Ricky, I've been on the opposite side of that where I've always been like, you're the NBA. Who cares? Like your fans are going to be there. I could, for the first time Sunday night, I could see why they would not want to go up against the NFL. Yeah. I mean, these NBA finals ratings have been terrible. I know there's a lot of controversy around that about, that's obviously a whole different conversation, but they've been really bad. And I think, and going up against the NFL is tough because I, and they, I think the game three ratings, I think were the worst of all time, possibly. I think I saw that. I was reading some stuff about the ratings today. Uh, and the, and like that Eagles 49ers game, a banged up 49ers team and an Eagles team that's been really bad. And they just like blew them out of the water ratings wise. So yeah, I think I definitely agree with those points about trying to stay away from the NFL and like having, uh, that's why I think the traditional schedule might work a little bit better. I don't know. We'll, we'll definitely see. That's definitely something the league's going to have to address between the rating stuff and figuring out how like their younger fan base and getting them more engaged, whether it's between, I know there's tons of like social engagement, but in terms of like where the money is made with TV stuff, like it'll be interesting to see like how that kind of the business of basketball kind of shifts uh, in these upcoming years with all that kind of stuff. And with them trying to get back on track and them trying to recoup the money uh, that they've lost in this crazy season, that's been out of control. But 
because uh, that's a whole different whole different topic, Darnell. We don't want to take up any more of your time here. Thank you so much for coming on and joining us here on Cash Considerations. Uh, tell our listeners where they can find you. I think most people know where they can find you, but just give a shout out to your stuff. It's at theathletic.com, and I'm on Twitter at Darnell Mayberry. Awesome, Darnell. Thank you so much for us here at Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening. Shout out to the Blue Wire Network. Shout out to our sponsors, DoorDash Bet Online. Please go listen to all the other great podcasts across the Blue Wire Network. We've been growing. We've been adding a ton of pods. There's tons of stuff uh, with the NBA Finals going on, with the NFL, with MLB playoffs. There's stuff all across the network for you to listen to. So uh, thanks again to Darnell Baby for joining us. We'll talk to you guys next time. This has been Cash Considerations. HKI Wolves Podcast, Jason Wrigley, Ricky, take it easy. Talk to you guys next week. The wait is finally over and football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. So head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget that pro- to use that promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.